0: Okay. and it's time for the very last episode of splunk talk for 2010 or 2010 episode number 28 the eval underground player today the splunk talk team is gonna be chatting about testing out splunk doing an eval what's what you should do what you shouldn't do some tips and tricks on how to make that all successful so let's do this Talk. Hi, Jeff. Hey. Hi. How are you?
1: Oh, what's going on?
0: Hey, we're uh, doing Splunk Talk. How's your internet doing? I'm good. Good. That's awesome. Jeff's in Chicago. <laughs> And uh, is it cold there in Chicago today? Uh, Today is actually warmed up a bit. Dude, it's balmy here in Austin. It's probably going to be in the 70s, which is going to be great. Because it's the last episode of 2010, 2010, 2010 of Splunk Talk, uh, which is cool. We appreciate everybody hanging out with us for quite some time this year. And, you know, maybe we'll keep it up next year. But who else is here? The
2: Maverick? Of course. The Maverick. I'm the Maverick. Now I'm the Maverick, and right. not just Maverick. Okay, all right. I'll let you have that yeah. it is the last episode. So I'll let you. I'll be a little more lenient today. The Maverick. That's
0: awesome.
2: Gonna, are you going to bleep me out uh, with your bleep thing, or are you going to do your rim shot when I tell a joke, or or not? Uh, no,
0: I'll probably insert a dead air uh, crickets <laughs> is what I'll do. For okay. You, so really, that or, would be cool.
1: Or, or you could not tell a joke.
0: Uh. Per, he, Yeah, Yeah, perhaps. uh, Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we were thinking (laughs) about this week, uh, Maverick and I and Jeff, you know, we try to actually plan out these podcast episodes so we don't sound completely idiotic. Yeah, right. Um, Instead of spending multiple hours doing some end of the year edit, we figured we'd just actually have a real episode. So today we're going to talk about, um, we'll just have a discussion about evaluating Splunk and what most people mean by evaluating is perhaps i might want to buy it or let's say put it into production even if you were going to use the free version some things to consider um some do's and don'ts and just a general discussion around that so uh let's do this all right did anybody see v lee's blog post on splunk.com
1: i did it was awesome i
0: didn't what was what was it v lee V. Lee is a very experienced sales engineering person in Los Angeles, and um, she's helped a lot of customers purchase Splunk. So, so what did you like about it? The thing I liked about it, it was really cool. It's called Don't Touch It, It's Hot, uh, which is an interesting post. You, you got to read this. So it's at blogs.splunk.com. Uh, it's probably... It's on there. It's it's a couple of blog posts down. She did it on the twenty first of December, and it's it's interesting because it's it's funny. Is um hell <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it, uh, how, how do you spell her name? Is it, uh... V V I favorite editor me not Emacs. I'm a V I guy. Okay? S- okay. Same here. V L Y V I space L Y, like okay, that V-L-Y. could be a bookmarking site. You know. Beely like this. she should have her own like short domain anyways <laughs> uh it's just coincidental so we put this blog post together you, you know giving some recommendations about yeah and some do's and don'ts which were pretty cool it's really funny and uh simultaneously we were thinking about just talking about evals so
2: so, so before you get started, let me, I got to ask you a question. Are we going to, should we, I, I'm thinking we should talk about like maybe from an eval perspective, maybe start out by talking about what kind of hardware maybe we want to put our Splunk on when we're evaluating versus when we deploy it maybe or something like that, 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 that seems to always be a, a topic of interest or people always ask about that or wonder about that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> perfectly good thing to talk about. And, you know, to reference, it's kind of funny, I was reading V's blog post. And one of the things she says is um, she makes a joke. There are, some, there are some funny jokes. V is Asian, and she actually makes fun of Asian drivers, which is cool. Uh, she has this uh, statement. She says, myth, if I could give it to grandma or use it for Splunk. Fact, Splunk does not enjoy running on hardware that you might gift to your elders. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it That's is true. Good. Yeah, so um, when you're doing an eval, uh you generally there's a couple of things if you're let's say you're the technical person maybe you're the you know nerd in the room like we are on the other side of the table and you know you'd like to solve some business problem and whether it's Splunk or some other solution you generally want it to perform as good as it possibly can for two reasons well one so you're giving the vendor a fair shake and two so you actually look like you know what you're doing because you know um when i was in well i've been in it a couple of times in my life and i've purchased products even at splunk so i've been through the things that you have been through as a potential prospect or customer the last thing you want to do is go well don't worry we'll put it on good hardware and it'll be faster okay because uh your manager will think you're an idiot So uh, Splunk is a CPU and memory intensive product when you're indexing, which if you put it on a VM, you probably won't notice whether it's indexing fast. You'll you'll just eat it.
2: That's true, yeah.
0: But it is disk intensive when you're searching on data. So if you're going to use a virtual disk, expect performance to suck, okay? Um, Because VMDKs and virtual disks... You're not going directly to the hardware, so if you can get raw volume, a raw storage volume, you're probably going to have a little bit better of a of, a, of an experience at least from the get-go.
2: Yeah, and I think also, um, you know, we should differentiate between you know evaluating it in a test environment where you're trying to test functionality versus performance evaluation, or maybe injection evaluation. You know, load, putting the load on it, or something. To see what what it'll take. I mean, I've worked with customers where, when they're trying to figure that out, they, um, they, you know, they're very more they're more interested in in if it'll stand up and stay up, and is reliable versus whether it can create a really cool you know pie chart or something. So, you know, just it just depends on your requirements and what you're trying to do. But from a, from a, from the hardware perspective, yeah. I mean, I, I can, I think if you've got a one gig license, you could probably run that on a VM. It's probably okay. But if, it, but if you're running with 50 other things on the VM and they're all contending for the disc, yeah, it's, it you can't expect it to, to be a uh, very fast in searching. If it's, if it's uh, competing, yeah. unless you have a I dedicated. Think, I think um, what
1: you said at the beginning was the key. It's. If if you know ahead of time that you want to test some functionality, like uh, we talked a, a bit about in some other podcasts about uh, testing your props and your transforms and figuring out how best to get data into the index, if that's the exercise for the first part of your POC, then yeah, then then running it into VMs fine, and you know that the, the performance is is not going to be what you would expect it to be when you're when you're mapping out um, search performance. But that's that's key is is knowing that on the front end and, and designing for that. And I have a lot of customers that do that. They'll they'll get the functionality going, then then it, get the hardware lined up that they that they can use to expect the performance that they want out of it.
0: And it's it's a reasonable thing to do because a lot of times you know with Splunk it's downloadable, so it's easy enough to get started on your laptop. And it's you can go from your laptop to a VM really really quick without. Like you said, kind of thinking about the volume or thinking about the performance that you want, and um, you like I said, you might not notice how in how fast indexing may or may not be going, but you will notice uh, if search is slow. And just me, you know, when when I show off stuff to other people, the last thing I want to look good. Okay. let's say even if I'm showing off something like Quicksilver, which is an app for the Mac, the last thing I want it to do is be slow because then I look like an idiot. So um, you I me I just probably try to make Splunk put Splunk in the best light, which really puts me in the best light. Not me, Michael Wilde, but me who's evaluating it. Those are just some things to think about because, you know. So as a little bit of background, Jeff and Maverick and. Myself, we work in the sales engineering group here at Splunk, okay? Our job is not to deploy the product, okay? We have people that are far more smarter than Jeff to... Uh,
1: <laughs> Isn't that
0: everyone? have
1: hey. yeah, okay. hey, folks sure. like
0: Gerald and, and the team of... Uh, Gerald's
1: smarter than everybody, so that's, that wasn't a good... Right. I, you know what I'd
0: like to do is put a mirror in front of Gerald and just see what happens. He <laughs> might end up, like, melting
2: turning the stone or something yeah
0: yeah exactly so um gerald and a lot of the professional services folks they're good at deploying splunk that's what their job is but jeff and i and maverick help customers see the value of it that's what a sales engineer does we're sort of like the nerd in the room you know we're Improve not prove
1: concepts
0: yeah we well prove concepts or at least help you get to the point where you know you might say, yeah, this is something that we wanna purchase and we wanna buy or heck we want to deploy. Um just a general recommendation, use your pre sales engineer. Okay. Um we're sort of like the I don't know, big giant dude that's sitting outside of a club at the uh at holding the velvet rope. Okay, we can get you access to really great resources if you need it. We can get you to the head of the line if you need a support case. And also, we spend our entire life dealing with the product. So if you got questions, and that's a really good point. If you have questions, have an idea what problems you want to solve. Have an idea what questions you want to solve in the product. And as Jeff said, you know, some level of evaluation criteria is good because... The vendor's gonna ask you for that anyways, right, Jeff?
1: Exactly. Yep. <laughs> I think that's that's the best piece of advice right there is is kind of have an idea of what you wanna accomplish in the eval, especially most especially if you're evaluating something besides Splunk. If if you're gonna look at some of the other solutions that we occasionally compete against, um, you wanna have the same question asked of of all of, all the vendors in the room. You you get you learn a lot more that way. You learn how everybody does how everybody approaches the solution, how everybody treats the problem, and then you get to see the technology in motion, and you're not comparing apples to oranges. You're you're actually seeing everything on a baseline. It's much much faster and easier to get to to the to the answer.
2: So I think there's a there's a certain aspect to this to this product that I've noticed over doing this uh, d- doing this kind of role here at Splunk uh, as an SE. Uh, this product tends to uh, allow you to maintain your silos, like it allows each person to kind of evaluate it the way they want, like on a personal almost on a personal level. you can have your own private type searches, your private type reports, things like that and then you can choose to share that with the team if you want. not a lot of people do that sometimes, right, so they they 'll just keep it to themselves and it 'll solve their problem and and a report may even be just a result set coming back you know searching for an i p address and getting back results and that 's That's really the value that they're getting out of it and what they what 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 that kind of tends to also do is it it, is it prevents it sometimes from uh, You allowing other people to maybe benefit from the same technology that that you as a company owns But maybe you as a you know in your silo in your department Maybe you're a one-man team at a small company or maybe you're part of two or three people on a team and there's other teams that could probably benefit so you know, if you're if you're thinking about kind of evangelizing it and kind of sharing it, you know, you, you again, it's 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 not prone to that. You have to kind of go and ask those other teams, "Well, what do you want to see?" And maybe you have to go gather the requirements. Like it may, you it may be solving your requirements, but it may, you know, what they what they require may be different, and what the kinds of pains that they have that this technology might help them with to resolve might be different. So you might need to not. Guess at that. You might want to ask them and collect that, and then help them show them how you you do it on your data. You do it on theirs too.
0: Yeah, and you know, one, as you were speak as you were talking, Maverick, I was kind of thinking, you know, if I'm working in IT and maybe I'm a systems analyst, maybe I'm a infrastructure architect, or maybe I'm a sysadmin, which I'm a big fan of because I think sysadmins are awesome. Actually, I think sysadmins and developers rule the world, and everyone else is at our mercy. But that being said, the Correct. fact of the matter and many other cliches I could repeat right now. Um, <laughs> it's it, We're sort of a... Sh- I, I kind of think of the sysadmin, or at least the folks in IT, as like the shepherds of solving problems for the business with computers. You know, uh, if I have a core technology that can be leveraged across other you know, let's say use cases, like I said, you should be a shepherd for that. Uh, It does a couple of things. Like one, it's easier if you, let's say if you're gonna, let's say if you're gonna even buy Oracle or Splunk or whatever it is, if you can get uh, multiple use cases solved out of a single product, generally it's better for the business and it's easier for you to justify. And again, you know, if I was you, I'd wanna look good and smart and good for the business. And that's just, I don't know. My take on that.
1: Yeah, that, uh, I agree. I agree. That That's really where the, the best leverage of Splunk in a, in a large enterprise pans out is when you can address multiple use cases with the same set of data or or a slightly enriched set of data. At the same time, uh, just to be a little antithetical, sometimes the best POCs are the simplest ones where you you have a very specific burning use case that can't be addressed with any other solution on the shelf and you get Splunk in there and everybody gathers and rallies around it you you solve the problem and you you move on
2: yep and I'll even add in um another term scope that's another one that is used I think I like keep Listerine it it personally yeah. really See, I, it's very where's, mediciney. Where's the rim shot? Come on! I was like, wait for the rim shot. It's very. We didn't need one because
1: <laughs>
0: Jeff is a rim shot. It was so awesome. His voice is a rim shot. It's medicine-y. It's just too medicine-y for me.
1: <laughs> I, no, I just I had to throw another one out there. I actually use the Target brand.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay. I use Crest Pro Health. Just so you
2: know, President's with, Choice. Yeah. With or without uh, whitening? Uh with whitening, of course. So, so w- w- no matter what type of scope you want to use I think as long as you have that in mind when you're when you're doing the eval your eval or you're or you're trying to set it up and you're kind of managing because you know I've been in situ- it's really weird because I I've been in more situations than I can remember now where uh I I'm, I'm talking with my my customer and and you know check in with them a week or two weeks after they've kind of got things going and uh and they and I ask them how they're doing and they're like hey it's going great but I have I can't get you know, Splunk uh, on these 30 or 40 more servers, you know, they're just going, they're putting forwarders everywhere, you know, for, for an eval. And it's like, okay, well, you know, my first bit of advice there is maybe that scope of that eval is a little too large. Maybe you shouldn't be putting it on so many. Maybe you can kind of put it on some key ones that you can get some key metrics from or key functionality testing from and then you extrapolate the rest of it or maybe even. You know, plan out your deployment from a bigger scale, but not necessarily have to evaluate it across all entire production. Um, so, you know, it's things like that. Even though we can't, you can. It's just it, you might not want to bite off that much to chew right away, you know, because then you'd have to use a lot of Scope and Listerine, you know.
0: Two awesome words: extrapolate and antithetical. <laughs>
1: It's always a vocabulary lesson when you listen to Splunk Talk. Usually not, but it is today. I'm going to make that my New Year's resolution for Splunk Talks going forward. I'm going to have a new word uh, every episode. That's my commitment. Hey, keep it pithy. Keep
0: it pithy. Okay, keep it pithy. <laughs> hey, and shouldn't
1: you have beeped that? Uh, which part? That bad oh, word you just said. That's the
2: whole thing, actually.
1: I said, <laughs> I said
2: pithy, not pithy. well we have a lisp so we weren't sure
0: (laughs) okay so another thing i was thinking about that um v sort of brings up uh this is a good point and it's completely coincidental that v came out with this blog post and we were thinking about talking about evals um is this one here another one of our myths splunk will eat any it data so i can let it loose to graze on all kinds of stuff She calls it a delusion. Reality, treating Splunk like a goat or a dumpster leads directly to goat or dumpster diving. Okay. And it's, it's interesting point. You know, she, in her blog post, she talks about, um, things like source typing. So while in your eval, it's awesome because you can just tell Splunk to eat the data. You may want to just step back. Okay. And Think about the sources of data that you have. Um, Think about maybe if uh, things are single line or multi line, if they have weird timestamps in them. Look at the stuff that you're putting in Splunk beforehand. If there are any settings that need to be adjusted, like we've talked about on podcasts before, whether you need to make some changes to your props or your transforms, which is two configuration files that can control stuff that's being eaten, think about that beforehand. Sometimes Splunk will just you tell it to eat a giant pile of data, it'll come up with all these weird source type names. Um you maybe want to give it a source type name in advance, like Access Combined or System.error or my production source data, uh source type.
2: Or or the name of the application where sure. the application data comes from.
0: It's a perfectly reasonable thing. Um because also you want things to make sense to you once they're in there because you're going to just dump the whole world stuff in there and you got this massive pile of data. And Yeah, you might have some apps you downloaded to help it work out. But um, it. Uh, I, I, I think instead of letting Splunk just go to town on your data, which it will, think about it beforehand because if you have to make changes, you're probably going to re-index anyways, so...
2: Yeah, one more thing I was going to say that you might also want to from uh, again from the scoping idea, uh, scoping aspect is you may not want to. You may be thinking I need to get LDAP set up, I need to get user authentication set up. You know, when you're evaluating it, that may not be as necessary because it, it it works, but it you have to kind of think that through, and it's probably better to take more time to plan that out when you're going to deploy it in the real environment, and maybe stick to testing it and not not necessarily trying to, trying to set all that kind of stuff up right away, unless it's, unless it's part of the requirements, of course. So I would always, you know, not assume that that's a requirement unless, uh, unless you're told it is to, you know, to make a decision to purchase the product versus, um, you know, not doing that. So uh, that's some of my uh, other things I've learned. I give advice to people sometimes.
1: That That's really good. There's, there's probably a lot of features that seem like they'd be really important, but they, you know, in, in an evaluation, you the one commodity you don't have is time, and, and you don't have time to set up a lot of the infrastructure-related things, mostly because it's right. nothing to do with Splunk. It has everything to do with getting access to other parts of the infrastructure the organization and all that stuff. And <clears throat> what's, what's key, what I'm always telling folks that are starting a new uh, evaluation is let's just focus on the problem and focus on the part that you can't do um, with any of the conventional stuff that you've already looked at or, or whatever. And, and just focus on Splunk, getting data in, doing the searches, um, processing your data, and, and getting the answers out. That's, that's, the, that's the key.
0: Yeah, because you, you know, when you have an eval, uh, as most vendors do, they're going to give you an eval license key. Um, you know, first of all, if, if you're not going to ever buy the product, just use the free version. Okay. Trust me. Our salespeople would rather you tell them, no, I'm never going to buy it. Okay. Because then they won't bug you, but um, they're going to give you an eval key. Let's say for it's five gigs or 10 friggin' terabytes. Um, It's going to be for a certain amount of time. Okay. So if you can't eval the product right now, just tell them, yeah, it's going to be a couple of weeks before I can really get to it. So make my key then. And you know, try to. You have a real job. I, you know, uh, applaud you for the job that you do in IT because again, I used to work in IT and it's a hard job. Um, if you can get that time to focus, you probably don't actually need to spend 30 days evaling Splunk. If you can sit down for like for a week or so and just bang the thing out and get your data in and get your reports built, and Maverick and Jeff and I are helping you out and we're getting stuff done. And then you can figure, okay, yeah, this is something that will work and then show it off to my management or nah, this thing sucks. Let's bail and do something else.
2: Yeah, and I will say if you're going to if you are going to present to your management or if or whoever is, you know, holding the purse strings, usually, you know, that's not you. It might be somebody else, you know, a a team or a director, even a C-level person. Again, you might want to ask them what they want to see. Because I can guarantee that the higher up the levels you go, the the pain is going to be different. So your pain that you're trying to solve with Splunk is different than theirs. It's it always is different. So so don't assume that you sh- if you show them this cool, awesome dashboard and report and alerts of things that that you, that are you know you think is great for your pain that they're going to be able to relate to that. They're going to want to see. Uh, the you know the pie charts and the summaries and the alerts for the things that they care about. So you're going to need to ask them at some point what what it is they want to see as, as well, and fig- and kind of fit that in as well as what what you know what you're going to show them that you care about, and show and maybe other what other teams again what they want as well. But it's, it's important that you understand and don't assume again that a C level or your director. Uh, is gonna uh, think that what you show them about what you do is is important compared to what they may want to see. So ask them.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that is a good point, and and that's again where back to what Michael said. That's where you can leverage our team, the the SEs, because we that's what we do for a living. Not only do we nerd out and help you. F- you know, put all the bits together. But we, we've we got a lot of experience socializing the message back to other parts of the organization all the way up to C-level people. But you might run into what you're saying, Maverick, not just with a C-level guy, but someone who's not part of... I get this all the time. I'm, I'm showing a, an awesome solution to a very specific use case. Maybe it's a network operations uh, use case, for example. And then the security guys get involved, or maybe the server guys get involved, and they they just can't relate because their data is not quite in there yet. Right. And uh, unless you got super super smart people that can make that mental leap, um, when you're looking at data driven stuff, if it's not stuff that you're familiar with, oftentimes the message has to get crafted a little bit and. That's where you can use us to help you with that.
0: Um, one thing, one one thing that I want to bring up, kind of before, or we wrap this up. I'm sure we can wrap it up in a while. Is salespeople okay? The the elephant in the room
2: uh-huh.
0: in your eval is that salesperson. Yeah, Jeff and Maverick and I were yeah we're kind of salespeople, but we're technical guys. Okay, um, we don't process paperwork. We don't do POs. We also um you know we don't have our own bag carrying number okay we, d- we do have a, a, a some goals for the year, which are based on other people, but the sales guy or gal, you know what what do they in your experience, Jeff and maverick um what are some tips for working with them because they're there well
1: they've got they've got They've got the same goal. Oftentimes the goals are pretty similar in that we want to get, those folks want to get what, what you, the customer, wants, which is figure out if this solution is going to work and do it in as little time as possible. So that, that part's easy. The hard part is um, they're also going to want to navigate through and see, you know, if, if, if I'm working with you and you're a, a system administrator or, or something like that, network guy or security guy, Oftentimes you're just evaluating the features of Splunk and you, you know, once this thing gets, gets vetted, then, then we have to go and find out how, how you're going to purchase it. So I would say the key to working with the sales folks is, and the way to keep them away from getting in your way is to give them enough information so that they know when this thing is done the POC or the evaluation or whatever it is you're doing, what, what the next step is and, and who they're going to take that next step with. So if you can articulate that in the beginning, it's a lot easier for, for Maverick and Michael and I to keep the sales reps from pestering you for that information down the road. So uh, a clearly articulated problem to solve, a way to solve it with Splunk and figuring out who's going to pay for it and what they need to see at the end of it; those three things are are going to help you out a lot in terms of dealing with the sales team.
2: Yeah, and I'll I'll just add by saying that a couple things. Um, uh, you know, sales. I think sales rep uh, here, reps here at Splunk is probably different than other vendors. You know, because of the popularity and the. Um, and the abil- the capability that you get with Splunk, that's very unique and very kind of almost disruptive, right, in the industry right now. You know, our reps aren't really into the high pressure type thing. So, so if they're pestering you, it's not to high pressure you into buying it. It's just, it's you got to remember that they 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 have managers too, just like you do, right? Your manager want gives you tasks. Your manager asks you a lot of questions, expects you to be accountable for things. So they're under the same kind of pressure, just like you are. And so usually they're if they're pestering you or it seems like they're pestering you, it's because they're being asked themselves. So just keep that in mind that they have a job to do just like you. And, um, you know, it, you don't have to give them a bunch of a, a big, long answer. You just, you know, sometimes yes or no or I don't know. Just give them an answer and uh, and that might be good enough. But just keep that in mind. Other than
0: if you're a customer or a listener that works for a government organization, this is probably not um, something that you'd be able to do. But if you don't work for the government, um, you probably work for a company that actually sells something. Okay, What might be a good idea is to go find one of your salespeople and ask them what their life is like. Because believe me, it's exactly every, every salesperson has the same thing to deal with. They have a quota that they, um, that they uh, get from their management. Sometimes if they don't make their quota, they get fired. Okay, These are the things that actually happen. Their management expects sometimes weekly, if not daily updates on what the accounts are doing. I mean, if you think your life is stressful on dealing with a production environment... You're well, in some cases in your production environment, you have an application owner that's bugging you every 10 seconds to figure out when the server is going to be back up. Imagine if that was your like life every single day. Well, salespeople get paid well and all of that. They have this um almost sometimes passive aggressive level of stress in their life because they're relying on you to give them answers. And I'll tell you one thing. One of the best things you can say to a salesperson is no. Okay? They actually yeah. would rather you say, no, not the right time. No. And it's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Some people don't like to say no. Okay. Like I because they don't want to disappoint the salesperson. I, yeah, I know it seems like a weird thing to say, but you start out with this relationship with these salespeople and they're cool. And you know, maybe you're with Jeff and you go on site, and you're you know, you go out to lunch at Jeff's favorite restaurant, which is what Applebee's. And you're having some chicken fingers and all that kind of stuff. And you're just afraid to say, no, Jeff, your stuff sucks. Or no, our budget got cut. Um, Just say no. Or say now's not the right time. Or, you know, you don't have to give the salesperson every little detail about how much money you have in your budget and every single product and all of that because some of that's not their business, right? But they have a set of questions they're supposed to ask. Um, Just like your own salespeople at your company will, and I swear, just go talk to them and ask them what their life is like. And maybe we'll get in a little bit of an idea of, um, you know, how these IT people sales are like. I mean, I don't don't think people are cold calling too much anymore because most people got that sort of wired and they don't pick up their phones. But, you know, again, they're not... Most technology salespeople, in my opinion, they're not like these sleazy guys that just want to knock on your door and sell you stuff that you don't need because it's really hard to sell somebody something they don't need. They'd, yeah. and they'd rather you go, what's your problem? Okay, I have a problem. Does your stuff solve it? Yes. Is, it, is there a budget? Maybe. Can we negotiate it? Yes. Simple.
2: Right? I'd, probably, I'd probably say that the ones that are sleazy don't, don't – if they try to get into IT sales, they don't make it. They won't stay. It just doesn't fit. P, you know, we, people don't tolerate that. We, I don't tolerate it, so why would you expect anyone else to tolerate an it, IT? So they won't. Now just because uh. they're asking a lot of questions and calling you up and emailing you doesn't
0: mean they're sleazy. It just means that their boss is going, yeah, I need an a, update on this account because if you're a public company – Okay. You know how every now and then you hear, yeah, the numbers came out and the analysts are expecting, you know, two cents of an earning share. So those analysts are expecting results. The CEO is expecting results. All the way down to, you know, that salesperson is expecting some set of results. And when you're not in sales, it's a different, sort of a little bit of a different world. But, um, there always has to be information that flows up the chain, because even in your company, um, that salesperson has to give that information to the VP of sales, which has to give that information to the CEO, which has to give that information to the board, and has to give that information to the analysts. So it isn't about you know a salesperson just being bu- sleazy because they want to be that way. They have to ask these questions, and sometimes... They're just as scared of asking you the question as you are of telling them no. So that's my little, you know, I've been think we've been bantering around the idea of sort of even writing a book on, like, how to work, how to buy technology products and how to deal with all of this stuff. And, you know, um, nobody really ever talks about the elephant in the room, which is the salespeople. And, you know, they're, they're often pretty nice people that actually don't like to bug you
2: the nice way to end the, the end the year yeah. this episode.
0: Yeah, why not? Um I have an announcement. Well, I have a couple of things. Well, maybe Jeff and I also have the same thing. Let's do, we'll do one of these. Splunk okay, so what I learned this week. Um there's one thing that I learned is I still have a position open. Um I my part of my job other than making jokes about where Jeff eats on Splunk Talk. And uh, how about, can I have one that sounds a bit more like this, Jeff?
2: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Okay, um, and helping customers evaluate Splunk and uh, all of that. Um, I'm a manager. Okay, actually, I don't really consider myself Maverick's manager. He's really Ooh. more of my because
1: uh, he's unmanageable.
0: He, he's that's right. Right. He's unstructured. His search time. He's, he's extracted. But um, I'm a maverick. I'm against everything. He's else. a maverick. Well, Maverick is, works with me on the team, uh, of guys and we're in the, what's called the inside sales group, which means, well, we don't ever travel. Um, we talk on the phone a lot and we do demos over web and things like that. So we have a position available, a senior sales engineer position and, uh, that we have two offices that they usually work out of San Francisco or Plano, Texas. And if you happen to, uh, be a sales engineer that's good at what your job is if you're kind of nerdy there's a position open on splunk.com um if you sometimes you know maybe you've always considered getting into sales engineering and you know wondered yeah that guy that comes in and helps me eval my stuff i could totally do that um we have those types of positions available so i've got one open i know jeff i don't know if you've got some open we do in the company so
1: I do. I'm hiring two people. I need someone in Minneapolis. I need someone in uh, Dallas. So uh, we use a thing called Jobvite, Jobvite jobvite.com. You can check under Splunk. There's also links off of the Splunk.com domain. So if you think you got it, let us know. Yeah,
0: check it out. I mean, it's a a great way to um, work with a ton of different people and customers. You know, we have a couple of sales engineers that have worked, uh, that were customers. Um, one of the guys that works with Jeff Lamar out of Dallas, he used to be a customer. So we have a couple of them, um, that, uh, that have experience with Splunk and said, man, I could probably totally do this. And, you know, so if you're looking for a new gig in the new year, um, we're, uh, we're hiring. I know the, uh, the economy sucks, but it, but we don't. We don't suck and things are going really great over here at Splunk. Uh so. Um Yeah, that's about all I got. You guys got anything else for the rest of the year?
1: Uh just uh, wish happy new year to all the Splunk customers and soon to be customers. How's that? That sounds great,
2: Maverick. And uh well, I was I'm going to point out that um Uh-oh. Jeff uh, Blake has his commitment of a new word each episode. For, so I'm wondering, while wow, what is your New Year's resolution for Splunk Talk?
0: Next oh, yeah, there you go. Good. My New Year's resolution for Splunk Talk, okay, is to get video going. Okay, my New wow. Year's resolution is in wow. 2011. We got for, 12 months, that's, yeah,
1: that, but that's right. still a daunting uh, challenge.
0: Well, we now have Skype. 5 beta, which does do multi-cam, so we got to try that out. We still have our live stream service, which we got to use and try out. So we do say we record this thing every Friday, usually, provided SBC or AT&T will make sure that Jeff has a good uh, uh, (laughs) DSL connection. (laughs) We usually record it every Friday at at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, and the reason why we announced that is at some point in time we'd like to have people listening live have a chat room interact with the listeners and stuff like that so let's try to get this going next year from all of us at splunk talk at splunk uh have an absolutely fabulous new year if you're listening to, the, to this after the end of the new year happy holidays and as always email us at splunk talk at splunk.com and uh you know happy splunking happy new
1: Ha 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 ha!